What is your rechoice word? Re-envision. Reconnect. Redefine. My rechoice words are review, readjust, and repeat. It's season five of Rechoice. Real talk about moments our guests chose differently. You can read more at rechoicepod.com. But now it's time for the show. Michelle Steiner is a disability writer, advocate, and paraeducator. She published articles on the Mighty Nonverbal Learning Project, Dyscalculia Blog, The Reluctant Spoonie, Imagine the World as One Magazine, and Word Gathering. Recently, she began a blog called Michelle's Mission. Her photographs were featured in Word Gathering and Independent and Work Ready. She works today as a paraeducator in school with students with disabilities, and Michelle lives in the United States, and I'll let her reveal where she's joining us from in a minute, but she's with her husband and two cats. Welcome to the show, Michelle Steiner. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? Uh, I am really good. Michelle, what, you know, we like to start the show with something good that's happening. What, what is a good thing happening in your world? A, a good thing is, that is happening in my world is that I recently started uh, another blog uh, called Michelle's Mission. Yes, I got to get a peek at it in the last couple of days. And what's exciting about that? It's really exciting because with this, uh, I had a blog previously, but uh, with that one, it was a lot of my writing and photography, and I still have the, the writing, the photography on that, but I also have an online store where people can purchase uh, some of my merchandise that has some pictures on that I have created with my photography, and I also have a forum where people can uh, interact with each other that have disabilities or who don't. I love it. And well, we have a quiz to start the show, and this will help us get to know you a little bit. You don't know the questions, but you will definitely know the answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. As fans of the show Sex and the City know, Carrie Bradshaw, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, finally married Mr. Big, played by Chris Noth. Let's see how big of a fan you are, Michelle. What color were her shoes? A, red, B, white, C, blue, or D, purple? Uh, blue. Oh, come on, right? I, I know you're right. it's obvious to you. The blue shoes, the blue shoes. I found <laughs> out from a friend of yours that you love that show. What, what? I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess just tell me about that show for you and what it meant to you. Well, I can definitely say that is something that I, I can remember watching that a long time ago, um, just years before um, my, my, you know, my life came together with, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, my with with having, you know, like uh, just my husband and my my job, and I can just remember we, uh, you know, just watching that and talking with that with my friend that you uh, spoke with. Mm-hmm. And hi, just, hello, Nikki. We'll just say hi, Nikki. <laughs> so I can remember, yeah, we would talk about that and just there was little things and we would just kind of laugh like, you know, different parts of our lives and just how, how that might have related or how sometimes things didn't. But uh, so that was kind of a part of uh, things that, you know, with my friend and I. 
Well, I'll tell you what, those blue shoes apparently were like a hot item for a while in terms of uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a craze of people wanting to buy those blue pumps or whatever they were. I don't know. Uh, how would you describe them? <laughs> oh, my friend would be able to tell me. Manola Blahniks, I believe. I'm, she probably would know, but I'm, yeah. That's, I hey, that's, you know more than me right there. That was good. <laughs> All right. So question one, you, you got that one. Question two, the blank is a flowering plant native to Asia, Europe, and Western North America. They have compound, deeply lobed leaves and large, often fragrant flowers and colors ranging from purple and pink to red, white, or yellow. Catch them while you can because they have a short blooming season in late spring and early summer, usually only for about seven to ten days. Did that make you think of a particular flower? I'm trying to think. Um, would that uh, be orchid? No, I'm going to give you another clue. I happen to know that ants love them. Ants will like crawl all over oh, them. Peonies. That's there it. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is right. And I, I hear that's one of your favorites. Peonies are one of my favorite flowers. I love them. That's one of the ones we had at our wedding. Yes. And, and are, yeah, are you growing peonies fun. right now? Yes. In fact, we have my, uh, my grandfather was a really big gardener and we had them in our, uh, in our wedding and I had the chance to have a starter, uh, from one of his and we had a pink one that, that came up this year. I do wonder why ants love them. We have some in our front yard right now too. It's our first season with them and they're just all over uh-huh. that. They just love it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. You did great on question two. And then that leads us to the final quiz question. On December 7th, 1893, the blank was open to the public, displaying many plants from the World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. Today, though, and I should say it's not in Chicago, uh, but the World's Columbian <laughs> Exposition was. Today, it's described as a green oasis in the middle of Pittsburgh's vibrant Oakland neighborhood, providing a world-class garden experience to its visitors. Where are we? That would be Phipps Conservancy. Phipps Conservancy is correct. And, and uh, so tell me um, what that place means to you. That is a very significant part of um, uh, my life for my husband and I. That is our favorite place to go. We have uh, memberships, and we love to go there and see the flowers and just be around that and see the different displays and just be inspired by nature and just all the beautiful things that they have there. Well, my wife Judy and I would share that love. Uh, we, we are members at Frederick Meyer Gardens here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. One of our favorite trips right before the pandemic was to Vancouver Island in Victoria, British Columbia. It's called, uh, I think, Bouchart Gardens. Have you heard of that place? I've heard of it. I've never been there before, though. World, world class there, too. So, um, but anyway, we just share that, that love of just gardens. All right. We talked a lot about flowers and seasons and bugs today and uh, even sex in the city. But now we are going to get to really the, the meat of this show. So let's first start by making it official. Michelle Steiner, what is your rechoice word? 
My re-choice word is redefine. Redefine. And, and so when you look at that word, what drew you to that word? What drew me to that word was uh, with having a learning disability, I had to uh, redefine how I viewed myself and my disability throughout the years. I have dyscalculia, which is a math-based one, and I have trouble with how numbers work. That's uh, one of them. And I also have limited hand dexterity in both of my hands, and I also have visual perception difficulties, but that is in my brain, not in my eyes. You know, when I see the word dyscalculia, I mean, I think of calculus. So that's what makes me think of the numbers. And at least in my brain, it makes me think of um, oh, what's the one with letters? Um, dyslexia. Dyslexia is yeah. what it makes me think of. But it sounds to me like it's more than numbers for you. Right. It really is more than numbers. Um, I can see the numbers. I, I'm able to do that. I know what they are. I don't reverse them in my head. But just somehow, I don't get how they will work together. I, If you would ask me uh, <laughs> what multiplication facts are, like, you know, all my times tables or my addition and subtraction, I, I have not memorized all my facts, so I can't tell you that off the top of my head. Uh, but it goes beyond numbers and as well, too. I can, I'll know, um, it's hard for me to tell, I'll confuse my right from my left, uh, directions are hard for me, east and mm-hmm. south. That That's really difficult for me, too, as well. Uh, those things are really hard uh, for me to understand. And some of them, they, they go together with the lack of eye-hand coordination uh, and the dyscalculia. It makes things like driving um, not safe for me to do. Interesting, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also, for years, we didn't know I had limited hand dexterity. We just thought, okay, I have really bad handwriting. It's a typical trait for someone that has a learning disability. But now I can look back on it and I can say, oh, that's why things fell out of my hand. Oh, that's why my handwriting was hard for me and why it's hard to uh, hold a pencil steady and to, and to have good handwriting. And yeah, I, I, I try to picture. All right. So you're, you're near Pittsburgh, right? And so I try to picture being on the freeway and multiple signs and having to quickly change lanes or, or maybe even going to the airport, you know? And so tell me some of those things that maybe I don't always think of that, but for you, you have to really adjust. Well, for me, I definitely have a wonderful support system. I have friends and I have family that can take me places. My husband is great for taking me where I need to go. But sometimes I have to uh, understand, you know, people might give me, I can't give directions and I have a, I have difficulty with them. So sometimes that can be really hard for me uh, to, to do that, to, to know where I'm going. So if I do go somewhere new, I have to kind of go a little bit early. And also I'm able to pick up on details though that other people might miss. Uh, sometimes we're in the car, I'll, I'll say to my husband, did you see that? And I'll, I'll notice something. He says, no, I'm focused on the road. And I get a chance to go back later and take a picture of that. And I have people that will tell me, oh, you bring out details in a flower that I might have missed. Ah, when it comes to the photography, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle, when 
you said earlier that you didn't know at the time or that you found out later. I even saw the title on one of your blog posts that, that caught my attention, and, and maybe this will answer the question, which ultimately my question is, when did you know and how did you learn? But the title of the blog post was Four Seasons of Having a Learning Disability. And so mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that might apply to your story. Yes, it does. Because um, as we know, there's uh, four seasons in a year. And when you live in Western Pennsylvania, you get to experience all of them, which is good. But I can remember there was, uh, with having a disability, there, there were different seasons that I went through. Uh, I was diagnosed whenever I was in kindergarten. From being a kindergartner who, and a grade schooler, it was uh, one of those seasons where I went through, I was really discouraged. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was just that part where I didn't think I could learn, and that was sort of like the winter that, that happened uh, of that. And then all of a sudden we had spring and it was just the spring and that the flowers that I love so much that were blooming and a lot of the strategies that they were doing were working with me and Mm -hmm. I started to find things that I was good at and there was a summer that we went through where things just uh were a lot you know you had that break from a lot of things and uh we got a chance to enjoy that and then once again, we went to autumn where, you know, a lot of that preparation of going into winter, but seeing all the beautiful colors of the, of the leaves. And that was another season that I went through. And so here we are in the fall. I'm wondering if you have a favorite season. My favorite season is spring. Okay. I love flowers blooming. Yes, that's definitely my favorite season. That doesn't surprise me knowing what some of your passions are. Mine happens to be the fall. For whatever reason, I find it a very reflective time. And it sounds to me like uh, you've done a lot of reflecting when it comes to learning about your learning disability. But then also, I guess I'm going to go to your main mission, which what I read is to educate, encourage, and empower. Yes. Tell us what that really means today for you. Well, a lot of it is educating people about learning disabilities because there's a lot of misconceptions about what learning disabilities are. A lot of people think, well, the person can't learn or uh, the person can't do anything, and that, that could be further from the truth. It's just a matter of finding a way for the person to be able to learn and to do things because there's just a different way that somebody has to do that. A lot of other people think, uh, well, you don't look like you have a disability because right. my disability yeah, it's hidden. So a lot of that's educating people, getting the right information that is out there uh, about what they are. I also think, you know, with encouraging people, that also is uh, something, you know, sometimes we'll I'll come in contact with people that have uh, learning disabilities and some of them, they might be in that stage where they don't think that they can do anything. And I get the chance to say, well, let's try to see some things that you are good at. Let's try to um, find some ways to do that. I, I've been in that discouraging place before, but things do get better. I also think it's empowering people that have disabilities because for so many years, I didn't want to share that I had a learning disability. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a shameful thing. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that. But when I started to be able to confront what my disability was, and find ways that worked, that was so much more empowering than trying to hide it. Right. Yeah, my uh, friend Brad, you know, he's born with cerebral palsy, and he uh-huh. 
is in a wheelchair, but he, he calls it a different ability, not a disability. That there's, mm-hmm. there's just a different way of doing things. There's, and, and kind of like even what you said about the flowers earlier, that you notice mm-hmm. some things that others people don't always notice. In our audience here, I mean, it's a pretty wide audience, but I happen to know there are many educators in this audience. One thing I wonder is, can you think of a, a favorite teacher that you had growing up and what it was about them that was especially helpful for you? I've had uh, two teachers that were, a few that were definitely my favorites. I can remember my first learning support teacher was one of my favorites. In fact, my mom even said she was the one that just made that extra effort for me out of all of them. That was one of my favorites. And I had the chance a few years ago to thank her for all of that. I saw her at, um, at an event. That was really nice to be able to go and talk to somebody that saw me from the very beginning. And I had an art teacher that was wonderful, that was always encouraging. Um, and that was really important because with the hand dexterity, sometimes I wasn't able to make things look uh, how, how it would be artistically. But he was always encouraging and saying, wow, I like that. That's beautiful. Even when <laughs> I don't know if it was quite my best work, but that kind of encouraged me, especially today with doing the photography. I just had to find what my specialty was. And that, yeah, those two were my favorite. And I also had a student teacher that encouraged me. This was the time when we were starting to figure out what I was going to do after high school. And she told me I could go to college. And there were some people who didn't think I could do it. But she told me, you can go to college because you know how to study. And sometimes whenever things got really hard when I was in school, I can just remember hearing her voice telling me that I, I could do it. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, a lot of times it's a student teacher who is, uh-huh. I, I don't want to put it this way, but I'm just going to name it. Um, you know how sometimes people forgot why they signed up to be a teacher? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's always so nice to run into people who have been doing it for either decades and still love it or somebody uh-huh. who you know, they, they, maybe they were the first one to make it through college. And so they see somebody that wonders and they're like, Hey, uh, you get, you got this. You've already, you're learning how to learn. And that's really what you need to be able to succeed beyond. Exactly. They have great ideas. A lot of times student teachers have new ideas. So I always think it's, uh, really neat to see them in the classroom. And you can always tell a really good one when you see them too. <laughs> Here's what I love. I love that you are now doing similar things as a para- mm-hmm. paraprofessional, correct? Yes. So, I, I yeah. In, Go ahead. Yeah. I work in a school uh, with students that have uh, disabilities and some that don't, but they just uh, need that extra help in the classroom. Uh, last year, I worked with seventh graders, and sometimes when I work with them, it's like hearing a recording of myself at that age. <laughs> I, <Yep>. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I hate my learning disability. I wish I didn't have an individual education plan. And that gives me this opportunity to tell them, well, it's not a bad thing to have a disability. And it's not a bad thing to have an individual education plan because that's what's helping you to be successful at school. And I get that chance to go and advocate and show them how to advocate for themselves. I can remember at the beginning of the year, we had a girl that was really nervous about uh, 
that she needed help in a class and she didn't want to help the teacher and her teacher, I, I work with a wonderful staff that will go into uh, when they have a study hall and help them. And he would come in and help. And I told her, I said, well, maybe you should go and, you know, ask for help. And she was afraid. I said, well, I'll go with you. I said, here's how you do this. And sure enough, she was able to go and ask for, get the support that she needed. And she wasn't scared anymore. That That's just one of the things that it gives me that position to kind of go in and just tell them that uh, how we do this. And all the kids know, don't ask me for help with math. <laughs> <laughs> I love the skill there that you're giving about advocating though. And, and that is empowering, you know, in other words, you are supporting how to ask for support and making it okay to do so. Exactly. Uh, you talked earlier about some misconceptions about learning disabilities. And I, I wonder if knowing the audience here, if there's some misconceptions that people may have about your role as a paraprofessional that you'd like to address. I think sometimes with being a paraprofessional, a lot of people, especially the students, they're like, oh, well, we don't really know. What, what exactly do you do? <laughs> and we're like, well, yeah. well we're not, we're not uh, teachers, but we do go and we do support the teacher and the student as well. And uh, that, that's one of them. And I also think going in as a paraprofessional, one of the uh, fears that I had was, oh, I'm, I'm not great with math. How am I going to handle working with kids? And I remember somebody saying, oh, if I was that, I'd want to be a god that knew everything. And I, <laughs> I would make a very terrible god because I don't know everything. But I think sometimes just having that role and showing that humility and just being there to uh, help somebody else really makes a world of difference. Yeah, what you make me think of when you just said the word humility, and, and, and maybe it's a saying a lot of people know, but of not being the sage on the stage, but the guide on the side, that uh, mm -hmm. when I can think about some of the best teachers I've had, I don't think about them presenting. I think about mm -hmm. them being one-on-one -on -one and the things that they said to me and and yep. the light bulb that they helped. Oh, I didn't know that's how you turn on the light bulb or whatever idea it was. It was always that one-on-one -on -one piece that connected it. And so I would say you're a teacher. Is there anything else you want our audience to know about either learning disabilities or paraprofessional or even what you're doing today with your Michelle's mission? Um, I would just love to encourage people that, uh, you know, that do have learning disabilities to uh, just find what it is that they want to do and to have that, uh, you know, that courage to be able to go out there and find a way to do it. And if anybody wants uh, any more information, they can find me at my blog. So, all right. So check out our show notes. What's probably the quickest way to get a hold of you? I'm at michellesmission.net, or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. There you go. That's great. So in conclusion, uh, Michelle, I just want to say thank you for making our radar a little bigger. In fact, all right, so Michelle, your mission, educate, encourage, empower. What is something we all could do that you think would help educate, encourage, and empower people more? I think something we could all do is definitely listen because it's always, you know, people are going to come with different perspectives. They're going to come with uh, different things. And I think if we just listen to people and just try to understand where they're coming from and don't assume a lot of things, I think we could all definitely uh, learn more. 
in conclusion, uh, Michelle, thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart today. And I just, I love what you're doing. The final words actually is going to come from Nikki. Okay. And so she says, Dear Michelle, I've watched you grow from a teenager in high school to a college student, to a paraprofessional, and a disabilities advocate. I look forward to seeing what you're going to accomplish in your future. Congratulations on all of your achievements. Love, Nikki. No. <laughs> <laughs> so who is Nikki to you? Nikki is uh, my best friend, and she's almost like the sister that I never had. Wow. And how did you meet? We met at a writing group uh, when I was a teenager. Yep. Can you believe that was 25 years ago? No. <laughs> it is just so surprising. Yeah. You know, it's just so surprising that it was 25 years ago. I can't even believe that. <laughs> I She knew right away it was a 1998 writing group. I mean, that's so she remembers yeah. that clearly. Yeah. Thank you again, Michelle, and wishing you a great, great day. Well, thank you. Yes, definitely. Bye-bye. For all things podcast-related, head over to RechoicePod.com where you can see photos of our guests, access playlists by topic, send us some feedback, or even pick your own Rechoice word. We can't thank our supporters enough, whether that's from our patrons through Patreon or from a one-time tip through Venmo. You keep the show up and running. For details, check our show notes and select Support the Show. We appreciate the virtual high five. Thank you to my son, Danny Pellerito, for producing our music. And listeners, thank you for stopping by. Reframe your past, renew your present, and reclaim your future. Because after all, it's always a choice. Take care. And see you next time.